Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. If you would like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Patrons get bonus content, and depending on your reward level, other things like vinyl stickers, pens, and t-shirts are available. Of course, I'd like to thank our current patrons. You guys make the show happen all year round. Thank you very much. As I mentioned last episode, we have a new Strange Familiars t-shirt design. It's at TeePublic. It's a Mothman painting I did recently. You can either go to TeePublic.com, 
that's T-E-E public, all one word, and search Strange Familiars, or you can see the show notes for the link. We've also got some Bigfoot and Stonebreath designs up there. I'll add more Strange Familiars designs in the future. Tonight we're talking with Jane. She contacted me about a series of really odd experiences she had. And I'm not one, I may be the last one in the paranormal world to call demon, but the kind of things she's talking about are so insidious and harmful, I think, when combined with with the other elements in her life that this one time I may in fact say demon or something demon-like if all these things are connected. In any case, it's a really interesting story. And Jane, let's just start at the beginning. You said in your early life, you didn't have many kind of weird experiences or anything like that. Yeah, I never really like experienced anything growing up or like in my family life or anything like that. I had a friend who she felt her house was haunted and didn't really have any experiences at her house. I've had weird things with my vision my whole life, but that has medical explanations behind it. So no, nothing until college, until I met my ex. That's when it really started. You don't have to give specifics, but you work in the field of science, don't you? Yeah, actually I do. Um, I'm getting my bachelor's right now. I'm very hopeful that I'll eventually go on to a master's and a PhD. And I come at everything with like a very scientific I'm I'm a skeptic. Like I I don't jump to paranormal conclusions immediately. Like I keep my mind open to the possibility. Well, obviously we don't know everything. So for me to have gone through this is like very outside of my character basically. Like you I'm not the person that you would think this type of a thing would happen to basically. So, again, if you want me to edit this part out, I will, but uh to the point where you're using an, an assumed name with this interview because you don't want people you associate with in your in your daily life as far as your career and, and your studies right. to know. Yeah, and you can say that. I feel comfortable uh, admitting that. Like, Okay. I hope it wouldn't be disastrous. I hope that anybody who would hear this would approach it with an open mind. But the fact is I work in a field where <laughs> it would probably be very detrimental to my life for people to associate this story with me. Understandable. Yeah. So it started around college time. Yeah, I was going to a school, a little private college, and I think it was my sophomore year. I was only 18 when we first met. And he had had experiences his whole life from very early childhood. This is a, a college boyfriend, or yeah, I yeah his um his dad was actually the, like um a coach at the school, and it was a really like strong immediate connection that we had, and we met in New Orleans on the this trip, and like it was a really intense relationship from the very get go. It was very strange how like intense it was, and that's not I haven't had a relationship before or since that was that crazy immediate and intense. Yeah, he'd he'd been experiencing weird things his whole life. Like, I feel weird speaking to experiences that are his because they're not my experience. But it was things like 
really physical, crazy things like being touched. And it was in whatever house they lived in. It seemed like he always had experiences. Okay. So his weren't tied to a specific house. No, his just seemed to be like wherever he went, things were happening. Kind of followed him. Yeah. Your experiences were tied to a specific house that he was living in? They seemed to be, yeah. I I almost, because certain things happened after we got out of that house that make me think it was him, but like the, the locus of where everything happened was that house. And that house had a really like terrible, I think I said in my email, it could go from zero to a hundred in like a second. Like you could feel really good in that house and comfortable. And then in a second you'd feel like, like almost you were like an intruder. You weren't supposed to be there kind of a feeling. And as much as you're comfortable, where was it? You can get as specific or, or as general as you want. Okay. Yeah. It was um, in a suburb outside of Chicago and this area kind of has a very sordid past, I want to say, or like a really, uh, I mean, even just how it is today, it's very economically depressed. It's kind of a dangerous place to be to begin with. And it seems like it's always kind of been a dangerous place to be. There's a lot of haunted uh, locations within the area and his house happened to be kind of like equidistant to all these different haunted locations, different desecrated sacred areas for the Native Americans that lived in that place. There was just every type of paranormal location you could think of existed in that town, basically. (laughs) It was very strange. So what was the first thing, like kind of odd paranormal thing that that you remember happening? Yeah, um, so the first thing that I really remember happening was that voice in the hallway. So like I I had felt before like the, the anxiety that I think a lot of people feel during these types of situations, like that kind of crushing feeling of something maybe watching you or like something you can't see is present type of feeling. But I hadn't experienced anything directly up until this. But what happened was I was walking through a hallway that connects the bedrooms to the, li- to the living room. And my ex was in the living room and we were having a conversation kind of loudly talking across the house. And I was mid sentence in this hallway and a voice hissed into my ear, shut the f- up. And I stopped mid sentence and I could feel I could feel the voice in like, I could feel that someone had spoke something into my ear. And I think after that, we just like left the house pretty quickly and took a walk or just went somewhere. That was the first like thing that happened to me. And that shook me pretty bad. When you (laughs) say you could feel it, you could feel like the breath of the. Yeah. Like if somebody whispered into your ear. And no one was there. No, no, no. (laughs) No one was there. It was so intense. And it stopped me mid-sentence. That was the thing, too, was like, it wasn't ambiguous at all. There was no question of what I experienced. I, someone hissed something into my ear. I never thought that I could experience something so absolute like that. And it was just mind blowing. <laughs> it was crazy. So I think we like left the house pretty quickly and didn't come back for the rest of the night pretty much. 
So uh, a bunch of other things happened after this, not to jump ahead, but I'm just, do you yeah. feel like, like that sort of kicked off a bunch of things or do you think it, it was kind of random? I, no, I think it did. My ex had this hope that maybe like me coming into his life was going to fix a lot of things. And like, he thought that maybe it would get better or things would change. But like, the more I spent time at that house, the more things escalated almost. So he and, was experiencing things there. Yes. And then, it, yeah. And it got worse when I got involved. So <laughs> yeah, it sucked. Um, so uh, that was kind of like the kicking off point and it just got, more intense from there well let's move to the the next uh creepy thing if you if you don't mind <laughs> yeah no no problem this one blew my mind too this is like classic like horror movie stuff i almost feel like with this next one still makes it hard for me to even believe that it could have happened but um so we were asleep in my ex's room one night and i don't recall anything else happening that day and I don't recall anything happening between that voice and this instance. So I think this was literally the second thing that happened. If I can recall correctly, there's probably things that I can't remember or just blocked out from my memory. So we were asleep. And then in the middle of the night, I woke up because I felt something on my feet <clears throat> and I'm a pretty light sleeper anyway. I'm not like a deep, deep sleeper. So things will wake me up. I open my eyes and I'm facing my ex and the second I open my eyes, I'm making eye contact with him because he's also awake, which is crazy to just like wake up and instantly be looking at someone's face who's staring at you who's also awake <laughs> when you're not expecting it. So that was crazy and I kind of jumped almost, I think. And then I looked down and the covers were being pushed up our legs and we could feel something scratching our feet. Like something was just dragging its nails from my ankles down to my toes, basically. <laughs> like I couldn't see. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nuts. I, but I couldn't see anything. There wasn't anything to see except the blankets moving by themselves up my feet. And then I looked at my ex and he kind of like made a motion for me to be quiet because he always had the policy of when something's going on, you pretend like it's not happening. And that's just how he survived, basically. So we just kind of like held each other and then just fell asleep, just like brain on and then brain off and just fell asleep again. And then I woke up thinking that can't have been real. <laughs> Surely that can't have been real. But he remembered it too. And it was real. Um, I remember we like got up in the morning and like kind of went about just like normal life and like made coffee and then made eye contact at some point and it was like clear that we needed to go outside and talk outside of the house and then went outside and talked about it like went on a walk and just talked about it but it was crazy the ability to fall back asleep when something yeah. like that is happening is so interesting to me it's it's happened to me in uh, my own maybe abduction i don't know what what to call them but they should be terrifying experiences whether they're dream or not it should be terrifying and it should be no problem to stay awake. But the ability to just go back to sleep is so bizarre and happens so often in these, in these cases. It's very interesting and, and very odd. Yeah. And I had no idea that the, until you mentioned that you'd gone through it, that this is something that other people have experienced. Like I did not know that at all. 
Yeah, it's across crazy. the board. I mean, you'll hear stories of uh, Sasquatch witnesses who'll, who'll turn over and see a, a Sasquatch staring in the window at them. You know, that should make you terrified. Yeah. And they'll just like roll back over and go to sleep and they won't be able to explain it either. They'll, they'll say, I, I don't know why I did that, you know. See, that's um, crazy. And, and I would be inclined to believe that that's your brain responding to trauma in a way to protect itself. But I've also experienced very, very traumatic things. And my response was never to go to sleep. Yeah. It, and it almost felt out of my control. I don't know if it felt like that with you, but it felt like I was not the one making me go back to sleep. I was not in control and I just went back to sleep. Yeah. In my case, I, I just remember being angrier than any time I've ever been in my life. It's full of rage. And I mean, there, when you have that much adrenaline, there's no way you should be able to go to sleep and right. just falling in and out of sleep. Like for me, it happened like repeatedly. I'd, I'd wake up and fall back to sleep and wake up and fall back to sleep. It's yeah. very, very strange uh, and disconcerting to go through. I think when you wake up, you're like, why, how and why did I go back to sleep? Right. And it almost feels like you did something wrong. Yeah. Or like, I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of layers of guilt surrounding a lot of these experiences just because the decisions that you make in these experiences and like what you do as a response sometimes is beyond your control. You sometimes make the decision that you don't. <laughs> doesn't seem like the right decision or doesn't seem like what you would, would think you would do in response to something, but it's just crazy. I don't know. It's nuts. I don't know what causes that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I, I think it's part of the paranormal experience in some way and why I don't know. It might be a perfect, like you said, it might be just a perfectly natural reaction to the brain going, Nope. <laughs> right. Can't, can't, don't want to, not going to do this. Yep. <laughs> Or it might be something, you know, coming from these other things that, that shuts us down. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. And, but to me, honestly, it almost, it always felt like it was out of my control whenever that happened to me. Mm -hmm. The only thing I could compare it to is like being put under anesthesia. Right. Yeah. Cause it's just like, you just are, that's it. You're done. Like snap and you're back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what next? Well, I could talk about what would happen if we did talk about it in the house. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, so um, he always had that rule, like I said, of just pretending what was going on wasn't going on. Then that's how he survived, I think. That's how he came out with some sanity of all these experiences and dealt with it. Because for him, it was a, like a daily thing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say I understand that too. I think I did this for a, a patron show. I talked about recording myself during the time I was having these these experiences. Uh, again, abduction in quotes. I don't, I don't think I was ever abducted. I don't think I ever left my bed. But I, I recorded myself for a short time, probably a week or two, and that I found the tapes so disturbing that yeah. I, I stopped recording myself and I, I threw away all the tapes, which I'm, I kick myself to this day. I wish I had them. And you find this way of, of dealing with it sometimes is just to not deal with it as much as you can, or as much as, you know, as, as much as you can avoid it, just avoid it. And I've been interested in this stuff my whole life. And here I'm going through it and I was like, nope, not going to poke the bear. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, like even talking about this is a huge leap for me because anytime I've told this story, first of all, anytime I've told this story, people usually don't take it very seriously, which is hard for me because it was pretty traumatic for me to go through but also 
there is this feeling when you like talk about stuff like this that maybe you're inviting it into your life and and that's like a part of many cultures i know is the idea that if you talk about something like this you're inviting it in which has been difficult to deal with too and has made it really hard to even talk about that's just kind of like the the way in which all of this was dealt with at the time as well the experience like proved that to be the way to deal with it because any time that we intimated about it or talked about it in the house things would just get out of control at best you would just like start feeling really uncomfortable in the house and you'd feel like you needed to get out and that was best case scenario if you were talking about it in the house often what would happen was you would just start getting knocking and slapping sounds and disembodied footsteps start happening and one time in particular that i remember happening Uh, We were all a group of friends and my ex and I were all hanging out in his garage and my ex started to get into an argument with one of his friends and got upset and went to bed before everybody else. And then when it was just his friends and I in the garage, they started asking me about what was going on because he had spoken to people about it and other, his friends had had experiences in the house too. And I foolishly thought we're in the garage, you know, I'm not in the house house Maybe it's okay if I just talk about it now. And I too, I needed to unload too. I needed to unpack what was going on. So I started talking about it. And then my ex, maybe five minutes into me talking about it, came rushing out of the house in hysterics into the garage. He said that something had slapped the wall right next to his head while he was lying in bed. Hmm. And that, that was just typical of what would happen if you talked about it in the house. It was like... Any hard surface that was near you, it would sound like someone had just slapped it it just or just punched it right next to you. Yeah, so we couldn't talk about it in the house because things would just seem to escalate or get out of control. It's, it's, it was like something was listening to you. That's very, very typical kind of poltergeist stuff. Yeah. It's incredibly interesting. You mentioned that you call it the Dave's interview, the Astral Sasquatch. Yeah. That- he was talking about very similar things. Not as traumatic, I, I don't believe in his case, but it's just so interesting to me that these, yeah. these similar things happen in, in these you know, circumstances. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think too, just even experiencing something that is contrary to what our agreed upon image of reality is, is traumatic in and of itself. Um, yeah. But I think what in my story was the hardest to deal with for me was that it was seemingly malicious and seemingly had intent to harm. And that was just an added layer of, of terror (laughs) to it all. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Was the next thing that when you were in the basement or. Yeah. The next thing would probably be when I was in the basement and now I'm sure there are things that I just can't access in my head that I can't remember. Because at certain points, literally, it was every time I was in that house. And I was in that house a lot. So just little things would happen Right, yeah, Yeah, and it was just a part of life at a certain point. So, and being in his house was chaotic to begin with. His family had a really tough time. It all piles onto itself in my memory, and it's kind of hard. It's hard to recall anything specifically that wasn't like insane, <laughs> right? Like some of the things that happened, but it was there was little things happening every single day. But the biggest thing that happened in the house was the basement, and that was what happened next. Definitely, yeah. 
we were watching a movie in the basement of his house and it was a nice finished basement. It had a fireplace and a nice couch and a TV down there and like a ping pong table. It was kind of where people you actually was where you'd think we would all hung out, but we barely ever all hung out down there, which I think kind of says something because it was like where the kids should have been hanging out, but nobody hung out down there. And there was a little bed down there too. But we were hanging out on the couch one night and the couch faces the TV, of course, and then um, the fireplace. And the fireplace has a glass grate over it. And then to the left of the couch, there's a door that goes to a set of stairs and a hatch to the outside, to the backyard. And that door is always locked. And then to the right was the bed. So we're sitting down there watching this movie. And I don't know, not that long into the movie, maybe a half hour or so into the movie, something, the the glass grate started just kind of like shaking. Like a wind had come down the fireplace or something and like rattled the grate. And we just kind of brushed that off because that's not anything that you can immediately point as, point to as fishy. But then a red light reflected in the grate caught my eye. And I looked at it and there was a red light that passed behind my ex and I's head. And I could see it pass behind our heads in the reflection. And that freaked me out. (laughs) But we had the just ignore it policy, so I just ignored it. And I didn't find out till the next morning that my ex had also seen the red light. But we just ignored it at that point. And to be frank, seeing a red light was not something that was crazier than what we'd already been through. So it wasn't something that would like make us want to run out of the house immediately. So a little bit more time passes. We're watching the movie. And then the door to the outside starts just shaking. And there's this noise like something is scratching, trying to scratch through the door and is simultaneously making these crazy growling animal noises. And it was not an animal that I could possibly place. It didn't sound like anything I have ever heard in my life. And it sounded like it was going to get through the door. (laughs) It didn't last that long. It maybe lasted like 45 seconds, but it was enough. We still ignored it though, <laughs> which is crazy. I think we like tried to convince ourselves it was just like a raccoon or something had gotten in there and was like freaking out and we just ignored it. But it did not sound like a raccoon. It was very loud and it sounded very big and very heavy. And stupidly, we just ignored it because that's what we did, <laughs> which looking back, I really wish we had not ignored it. So we finished the movie actually. <laughs> And then we went to bed down there. Which is another bizarre choice. Yeah, right. right, Yeah. Like why in the world would we sleep down there after having seen some crazy red light that has no explanation and is behind us, like is interacting in our space. And then that, that animal or whatever is going on at the door i i don't know it just blows my mind that's another thing where it's like am i in control of the decisions i'm making right yeah the (laughs) the red light did it look like a like an led light or, or about what size was it small small very very bright i guess you could say like an led it's a it was a small circular red light basically and it was it was there and then gone pretty quickly so um, like like a like a 
like pen light size golf ball yeah size? yeah yeah i would say about like pen light size it was pretty mm-hmm. small um and pretty quick but very eye-catching and like just instantly caught my periphery and then i instantly looked at it right it was very like physical it was very there right <clears throat> so so you guys decide to sleep down there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or, I mean, or not decide for you know right yeah exactly i don't even know at this point anymore which is the crazy thing but yeah so we decided to sleep down there and the bed faces the far wall and it's the, the end of the bed's probably like eight to seven feet from this wall and the wall's not very tall it's a basement so the ceilings are a little bit lower maybe like seven ish foot and it's just wood paneling there's nothing on that wall there's no doors there's no windows there's not a window near that wall to like reflect light onto that wall there's nothing and the basement is very very dark there's not really many windows in that basement at all and they're very very small windows and they're those windows that are like set into the ground in a basement like the basement at my parents house has windows that are above the concrete that actually let light in but these have like that divot into the ground surrounding oh, the, them. Like window wells they're set in. Right, right. So there's no light in this basement when the lights are off. It's inky, pure blackness. So we go to sleep. We actually went to sleep relatively quickly and like relatively well. I don't remember like feeling that anxious, surprisingly, when we went to sleep, which is crazy. And then in the middle of the night, I just woke up and I immediately sat upright. I didn't like groggily wake up i didn't like slowly wake up i woke up and sat up immediately on the far wall that the bed is facing all the way up at the top of the wall where the wall meets the ceiling there was this rectangle of light it was probably like two foot by four foot or something like maybe like more like three foot by six a decently like sized light and it was really bright and it ref- its light was like on me, like I was illuminated by the light as well. And sorry, I'm getting like so nervous talking about this. So I'm staring at this light, obviously, that's not supposed to be there, that doesn't exist in the daytime. And uh, head and shoulders of a man passes through the light. And it's just in silhouette, I can't really see any detail. I think I remember thinking that the person didn't have any hair, like they were bald and older, but I didn't see any like features or anything, but it felt like an older man and it looked kind of like an older man, but to have gone through this light, this person also would have had to have been like seven foot tall, (laughs) which is disconcerting. So the head and shoulders pass through this light from like the left to the right. And then the light goes out and I start panicking and I start trying to wake up my ex like as, as strongly as I can try to wake some of them up. Like I'm taking him by his shoulders. I'm shaking him. I'm hysterical. I'm crying. I'm trying to wake him up. And he's just like a corpse. There's no response at all. And I'm physically shaking him. And then I remember feeling like whatever it was that passed through that light had come around to the side of the bed. And then that's when I just like was out. (laughs) I was just like out again. And then I woke up and I was feeling just like exhausted when I woke up. I remember waking up in like a pool of sweat. (laughs) That image just stayed with me for 
ever. <laughs> so the next time you woke up, it was morning. It was morning when I woke up. Yeah. I didn't wake up again. This uh, figure, you said you got the impression that it was kind of like an, an old man or. Right. Uh, and an, an older gentleman had died in the house, which I failed to mention actually earlier, but the house had some history to it too. Like the family that had lived there before had dealt with drug addiction and was very dysfunctional. And the husband, the head of the household had died in the house in my ex's bedroom, actually. Depending on who you ask, it was natural causes. Other people say it was something like a drug overdose. I don't know. I have no idea what the truth is. But the house did have that history to it which is interesting to think about. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't think a person's spirit. I've met really, really, really bad people, but I've never met some, someone who felt as bad as this all felt. So I have a hard time feeling like a person's spirit or whatever remains left of them would do this. Mm -hmm. or would be motivated to do this, I guess. Maybe that's naive of me. But even like the worst people I've ever known, and I've known very, very, very bad people, even the worst people I've ever known, it did not feel like this to be in their presence or to know right. them. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. His family lived in this house. Yeah. 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 As well as him. Did they continue to stay there? I don't know. To be honest with you, I, our relationship ended really, really, really badly and I haven't spoken to him in years. He said that his family has since moved the last time I spoke to him, but I can't tell you if that's true. I really mm -hmm. don't know. I know that of everyone in the house, we experienced the most. His parents would never talk about it. I've never spoken to his parents about it, not once. His sister did say that she experienced things, and she had some very specific interactions I don't like to speak on behalf of their experiences because I don't speak to them anymore. And also sure. because they're not mine, but right. Right. But I felt like it targeted us basically. So what happened after that experience? So after that, we moved out not too long after that, he was like really losing his sanity in that house uh, between all the family things that were going on. And then what was going on that we couldn't explain. So we moved to the city, we moved to Chicago. And unfortunately, like growing up, a lot of his friends had been into drugs and he was really into it. And we happened to move into a neighborhood where the heroin epidemic was what defined that neighborhood, essentially. There was a lot of gang violence. Basically, everyone I knew was in a gang or had been in a gang. So when we moved to Chicago, our lives kind of spiraled out of control. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we didn't really go back to that house too much. We went back when his grandma passed away. And right before she passed away, because she had been staying in the house when she was towards the end of her life. And we had one more experience in that house that I really recall. And that was when we went to visit. And we were sleeping in the living room on the couches. And this noise that was like the noise on the door in the basement, that like scratching, growling, insane animal noise started. And it filled the whole house. It was like the house was shaking with this noise, but we were the only ones that heard it. <laughs> Nobody wow. else in the house heard it. We were the only ones. Yeah, that was intense. Were they ostensibly asleep? Or- yeah, everyone was, uh, was asleep, but in the morning, no one else had heard it, just mm-hmm. us. So, The particular experience I was talking about before, the maybe abduction experience, ended with me screaming at the top of my lungs and uh, the house full of people, and no one heard me scream. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) And uh, it it was a loud scream. I mean, it was, it was loud and not a single person heard me. Yeah. That's, that's what this was like. Yeah. It was, that was almost more uh, stranger to me because I could write the other thing off as a bad dream, you know? Right. But the scream was real, was, you know, a thousand percent sure. And that was almost more disturbing to me than the other thing because I, I very sheepish, I was renting a, a basement living in a basement at the time. And I, I went up very sheepishly to uh, apologize to the family, you know, for, you know, I didn't want to be that guy, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, the next morning and every single one of them said, we, you didn't, we didn't hear a thing. Like you're fine. And I was just like, wow, it was, it was so confusing to me. It's not like this was a old Victorian house or something. It was a modern house. It was, uh, there wasn't much between rooms, you know, as far as right. uh, it was drywall and, not much else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was this house is a one-story ranch. Like, <laughs> there's not even floors really to like dampen the noise. There's yeah. walls, but there's not even that many walls. And this was a, a noise like where you said, like it, it, my ears heard this noise. <laughs> like this right. noise filled the house. Ah, oh, it's just crazy to think about. It's so insane. And that's the thing too with my basement experience is like I was hysterical when I was trying to wake him up, I was screaming his name. I was crying and upset and no one mentioned anything in the morning of having heard me be screaming and upset right. at night, which uh, you would think they would have heard. And it's yeah. like, what is going on that could possibly insulate that kind of a sound? I've had uh, with waking people, two different people, where I've, I've seen one time I saw, uh, it was a, a cougar, which should be a fairly natural thing. I saw it one day and the following day I was driving with my brother. I saw it the same time of day in the same field. I pointed it out to my brother who was driving. I said, look, look at that. Look, there's a, a cougar there. Yeah. This isn't an everyday sight. And uh, this was Northern Maryland, but 
you know, either Maryland or Pennsylvania. And it was, he was like in a trance. It's like he didn't want to see it. He just kind of went, uh-huh, and kept driving. Very similar thing happened to me. I was coming home at night uh, with a friend and we were driving and these fields were lit up completely unnaturally. I just said it, it, you know, they were lit up like it was a stadium or something like, these are farm fields out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And I pointed it out to him and it was the kind of the exact same reaction my brother had. It's like he didn't want to see it. He just went, yep, uh uh-huh, and kept driving. It's crazy. And and I'm trying to like get his attention, like, no, look, 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 look. And he's like, it just didn't register with him. So I, I wonder if there's like, if people get zoned out, like literally, like you're in one zone and they're, they're in another, you know, because you should have been able to wake them right. up. I kind of think that's what it is sometimes. I almost think that these experiences are physically transporting you in some way, almost. It's what it seems like. Yeah. Because it seems like you have crossed into some other reality and you can't, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's, it is almost like you're transported to somewhere else that you're not with those other people anymore because they're not experiencing the same reality that you're experiencing. And you've just deviated into some other existence almost. Yeah, and, and that's where you begin to like, am I crazy? Like, am, right. Like what's going on here when you know you're not, I mean, you know, you're perfectly awake and you're seeing what you're seeing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just becomes infuriating, honestly. And, and even telling my story, the reactions that I get when I've, the few times that I've told it to people like sometimes is infuriating for that same reason, because it's almost like, of course you can't expect people who've never experienced it to completely understand what you're saying to them, but it's almost like you're talking a different language mm-hmm. or di- you're speaking from just a completely different reality than what they're. And maybe it is maybe like people just aren't open to it. Some people's brains just can't handle it. Maybe it yeah. is like a defense, but. And there are certain people who just will look at you differently forever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You'll just be crazy to them. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the next part of the story gets, for me, it gets very, very dark. I mean, yeah. the, the rest of it is, is scary and it's spooky. Right. But, uh, when you told me this next part, that's the part where, and like I said, I don't call demon. Like, that's not something I'd like, uh, you know, I'm not one of these guys like, oh, demon, demon, demon. Right. But uh, where this goes gets, gets so dark. And, and it, it's really interesting. You, I, I don't think you mentioned before that the other people that were living in that house before had had drug issues as well. Right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of interesting. It, that is crazy. And to be fair, like the area that we lived in was really saturated by opiate use, but it is crazy how it all played out because it's, I said in my email that my ex felt like we were living out of David Lynch film where like something, it's all circular and, and something crazy just happens that sets off this, this circular spiral where things just go wrong. And that's really what it felt like. Yeah. That his mom had been warned when they first moved in there to not let the kids stick their hands in any kind of crevices or anything because the previous owner's son of the house had stuck used needles <laughs> in wow. different yeah which is just like that just alone just like the the human tragedy that that entails makes yeah. me feel a little sick just thinking about that which is crazy but then how it played out in our lives is a whole other thing 
but um yeah yeah so. you, you moved away or well you moved to chicago yeah we moved to chicago and pretty much instantly um, my ex got really into heroin and i was relatively ignorant to it willfully ignorant probably and he was also pretty good at hiding it as most successful addicts are so i didn't really like know I feel like I should have known. That's the, that's the really the thing that's hard for me to deal with this whole memory is like I have a lot of guilt associated with it where I feel like I should have known what was going on. Well, I, I mean, I've dealt with addicts and yeah. hindsight is always twenty twenty in that case. It, yeah, where it you really st- is. When you start looking back, you say, well, he did that. I should have known like right there, you know, he did this, this and this. Well, there it was. And then I just, in my case, it was like my best friend and I didn't want to think that, you know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, you'd never want to believe that someone that you love is doing that level of damage to themselves. Right. Right. And by the time you do find out, it's, it's so hard to watch. Like, like yeah. this is the, the thing that like mutual friends and stuff have, have often said, like, why didn't you just, you know, sit down and, and have the man to man with them? And I, was, I said, you don't understand how hard it is to watch someone you love just shoot themselves in the foot again. Right, right. And you could have a thousand man-to-mans. You could have a hundred million talks where you try to convince this person of their worth and you try to convince them that this is bad for them. But there's there's nothing doing until they're ready to hear that or they're ready to formulate that change from within because it's the most helpless, just utterly helpless thing you could experience because you can't do anything you can't like you can provide them all the resources possible but that doesn't mean that they're going to take them right exactly i tried to provide things to do that, that had nothing yeah. to do with with chemicals you know uh you know let's let's do the and it's first of all it's it's really hard to win that battle against those chemicals oh <laughs> absolutely they have their claws in and uh at some point i think it just becomes easier because you do love the person to not see sometimes oh yeah absolutely and the the whole thing with helping them too is that they are going to react to that help with like it will hurt them that help you know what i mean like detoxing is painful and like confronting their addiction is painful and then when you are trying to to push them to do those things it's painful for them and you end up feeling like you're putting them through even more pain and of course you don't want to see it either. And it's just like, it's terrible. And then I've also myself had issues with drugs and alcohol and was pretty well addicted to alcohol and was doing whatever you would put in front of me at the time. So this was, I, this was at the same time. This was at the same time. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. was, that was a product of our relationship and also where I was as a person and um, what I was trying to escape personally at the time. No amount of help that anyone would have given me got me out of it. I got me out of it eventually because I was lucky enough, I guess to, well, first of all, I was lucky enough to just get out and get away, get away from the situation and was lucky enough that I could move to back home to a whole nother state and be completely removed. And just lucky enough that I could have the the self-realization to say, wow, this is really bad. And this is, this is worse than what I'm running from. So people are oftentimes not lucky enough or don't get lucky enough to be in a situation where they can get to that realization, which is tough, but it's just, yeah. yeah. 
it's it's terrible it like you said like it's a demon all on its own it really is and then this was compounded by just weird stuff happening in conjunction with this wasn't it yeah absolutely and then on top of it i mean there were other things that came along with us being involved with drugs like i said everyone i knew was in or had been in a gang so there was that kind of a culture compounding everything too we thought we were getting away from it the the paranormal aspect of it when we moved away and seemingly we did because i was the only one that really experienced anything after but what i experienced after was really bad <laughs> but he seemed to, things for him seemed to taper down paranormal wise everything else seemed to ramp up unfortunately everything else seemed to get worse but paranormal wise everything for him seemed to kind of go away mm-hmm so, but yeah, I can talk about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it gets dark folks, but <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's, it's hard, but, uh, yeah. So I, I guess like maybe like two weeks or a couple weeks into us being at that apartment, I had that dream. So I had this dream. I was just standing in the hallway of our apartment, looking into the living room and I, in my brain, associated it as the man I had seen in the basement. And it was this man who was a big guy and uh, really unattractive looking and just like uh, really kind of hideous looking dude just standing in my living room with his fists just clenched, just screaming, just screaming at me, just wailing. And then he just starts running down the hallway at me like full steam and then I wake up like that dream's done and I didn't tell my ex about the dream because I had a huge motivation of us moving to the city was I wanted this to be over for him and I had said (laughs) foolishly like an idiot come for me don't come for him like I had been saying in my head for like a month at that point like just come for me at this point like just come for me I can I think I can handle it better like just deal with me don't go to him anymore because it was just he was so broken from it all so I didn't say anything about that dream and nothing much else really happened until the other thing so like I said I maybe was willfully ignorant I guess or you know not but I just wasn't super cognizant of the fact that he was using heroin at this point and he uh came home one day and he looked terrible He looked awful. My ex just looked like he was like ready to die on the spot. And he came home and he just kind of like staggered to our bathroom. And I followed him because I thought he was going to pass out. He looked like he was on the verge of death. And he was trying to take a pee. Couldn't. And then he could. And then when he did, it was like he just like couldn't stop. But then right as he was finished, he passed out. (laughs) And I went to go get him, but he just fell and like was just a crumple on the floor and he was gray and I couldn't he didn't seem like he was breathing his lips were blue like he looked dead and this just crushing feeling came over me an instant adrenaline rush and my head just buzzed just buzzed like it was full of bees buzzed and um I got up to go get the phone to call 911 I get up to get the phone and I have the phone in my hand there's a knock at the door (laughs) and by 
any kind of logic or reason, I should have just ignored the door and dialed 911. Because as far as I know, my ex was dead in the bathroom. And I did not do that. I kind of went into that mode where it didn't feel like my decisions were my decisions anymore. And I put down the phone and I went to the door. (laughs) And it felt like walking in sand. It felt like running in a dream where the floor is just offering no kind of resistance to my footsteps. And I'm just like barely even able to catch traction and move um, between the putting down the phone and getting to the door. And then I get to the door and I look through the peephole and there's just this shadow that is vaguely person shaped, but not really like anything identifiable. And it kind of looked like a burn on your vision almost. And it was really strange to look at. It was shifting, but it was there and it wasn't there. And it was just very strange to look at. And I instantly went into a rage when I saw it, like a rage, like I've never felt. I was so angry and so just full of adrenaline and rage and anger and strength. Strangely, I felt really strong. I felt really powerful and really strong in that moment, even though I was very, very afraid. And I kicked the door and I screamed, get out, like not now, get out. And I kicked the door so hard that I actually really hurt my foot. (laughs) 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 I was like limping for a little bit, but it, the buzzing kind of subsided and I ran back and I could run. I could run then. After I kicked the door, I could run again, and I ran to the bathroom, and my ex was coming back, too. He, the color was in his face again. He was breathing. He came back around. He woke up. He was seemingly fine. He blamed it on dehydration, which I ate up like an idiot, and I didn't tell him about that. Not until we broke up, I didn't tell him about that. But that mm-hmm. seemed to be the last thing that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> that, how long from that point did you move away then uh like how long had we been at the apartment or how long from that from that incident that led oh till i moved back home um yeah. probably like a year okay a year just about yeah do you think in it's possible that that he was trying to sort of self-medicate his experiences away i think that's part of it like i said his family was very unstable And I think that was a huge part of it. He had a lot of baggage from that, but definitely part of it was the paranormal stuff too. I think those were both two huge traumas in his life. And I don't think that one was any greater than the other. I think that they were both equally awful for him to deal with growing up. And I think that that is where it all came from was those two things, his family being unstable and then him having all these just crazy inexplicable experiences that nobody could relate to really. And that he had dealt with in a way that I don't think pushing it down like we did helped him. Mm -hmm. But I also don't know what we could have done otherwise. (laughs) Right. Right. So, yeah. It seemed like from the start, his way to deal with it was to try to not deal with it. Right. And, and doing drugs is a way is, is in a way is the same thing. It's dealing with what you're going through by not dealing with it, by escaping, by getting away from it. Mm -hmm. So I think it is. And and it really did seem like 
all these awful things happened, all these weird, crazy things happened, and then everything else just spiraled along with it. Everything else just got shitty and terrible along with it. Yeah, that's, uh, again, that's what what makes me just feel like there's, like, just some sort of, if it wasn't an evil presence, it was something that affected you in such a negative way that it, if it didn't cause the spiral, it, it helped push things into the spiral. Right. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely catalyzed it. It definitely made it easier for us to get into a dark place. Yeah. And to, so, I mean, how could you not kind of get to some kind of a dark place with that stuff? And like I said, the, for, for anyone whose life has been touched by addiction and I'm sure most people's have in one, in one way or another, you know, they know somebody, but, but to have somebody close go through it, there's nothing I would liken more to a demon than addiction. It becomes this dominating thing that just hangs, hangs there. And uh, it's all consuming like a demon is it's all consuming. Your whole entire life becomes your addiction. Yeah. It's devastating to watch people go through. It's devastating for people to go through and anyone who comes out the other side nothing but respect because I've seen it go both ways. Yeah, I've seen, absolutely. I've seen people come through it and I've seen people get stuck in it and, or, or come out and go back, which is even yeah. more heartbreaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just lucky. I'm really, I feel really lucky that I did get out of it. And I feel really terrible to think about all the people who I cared about who didn't. Sure. Yeah. Which is tough, but yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know if it was a demon. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what it could have been. I've done a lot of research into the area. And um, like I said, that area was just steeped in all this terrible, tragic history and all this myth and paranormal stuff. And then again, my ex seemed to have had experiences his whole entire life. It seemed to follow him to some degree. Right but it's very hard for me to say what it could have possibly been. I have no idea what I saw at the door. I've thought at times, maybe I saw death of some or something like that, which is hard for me to even say because it sounds absurd, but like what else was that? What could that have possibly been? It's so hard to say. And, and all, and all these things too, I don't all know that it's all one entity either. That's the thing too. Right. Right. It's so hard to, to, I wish I could know, you know, I wish I could feel like one day I'll have some kind of a definitive answer about what it all was, but I don't think I'll ever really know. No, that's, that's the incredibly yeah. frustrating thing with all of this. And exactly. uh, that I have to keep telling people the, the, you know, what do you think it is? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop being interested in it or stop trying to figure it out, but you have to being a, you know, into the interest in the paranormal and writing about it and researching it. I think for me, I had to come to the place and it was uh, actually a period of depression. I went through when it happened where I, I had to say, I don't get to be the guy that solves this and I have to be okay with that. I'm either going to walk away from it and never you know, just forget about it, or I'm going to still be interested in it and, and realize that I'm not going to be the guy who solves it, and it's probably not going to get solved ever, or at least not in my lifetime. And I have to accept that. It's a strange place to be, because people want answers. And, and if you write books or if you do a podcast, 
if you're a researcher of any sort, I think people look to them, well, you know, like you deal with this on the regular. So what is it? What is it? Well, I don't know. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think I, when I first wrote to you, I think what I really like was hoping that was maybe like miraculously you would say, Oh, well it was this. There was that. Yeah, it was a type four poltergeist experience. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you can file it away neatly into this category and it was this. And, and I think what's been valuable for me out of this experience is that actually know what has been much better for me has just been getting validation of someone being willing to listen and to listen with an open mind and take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, well, see, there are elements, and again, across the board, there are elements of these stories that, that tick little boxes. The, yeah. the, the slapping of the walls, uh, the, the growling and the rattling of doors, this, you know, these tick little boxes, these aren't isolated experiences to, to just your experience. These happen right. across the board to people. So that much we can say, like other people have experienced these things, you know, in, in different locations the same sort of things, but what it is, we can put a name on it. We can say it's, it's poltergeist activity, but really defining what that means is, is a whole different thing. Right. Um, and it almost doesn't matter in the end because it's just an arbitrary name for it. It's not. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it is comforting to know it's saddening because I don't want to think that anybody else has been through this kind of a thing, but it is comforting to know that I'm not alone. I'm not crazy, you know? Yeah. I, and like I said, I think, I think the layers of your story with, with the addiction just makes it so much darker and, and more tragic. At least he didn't die from an overdose. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he's come out of that. You came out of it, which is good. Now you went back to school. And yeah. Yep. I, it took a little while. Um, it took a really a decent amount of time for me to kick alcohol was the hardest thing. But uh, once I got through that and uh, my life stabilized, I went, I've been back to school for a year or so now, and my life is on just such a better track. It's amazing. I, I didn't even think I was capable of like succeeding in life or succeeding at school, and now I'm doing great. It's crazy to think that my life just, I mean, this whole story happened maybe like six years ago. It's crazy to think that I went from that to this. It's it's just amazing. <laughs> well, that's good. Part of the story ends up being happy then, you know, yeah. to, to come out of it. And uh, and like I said, having, you know, friends that have gone through it, both alcohol and heroin. Those are rough ones. <laughs> yeah, they are, man. <laughs> uh, more power to you. That, that's, you. That, that's awesome. And keep on the good road. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's it's tough. And to anybody who, you know, is like struggling, like. The only thing I can say is just don't give up believing in yourself. Even in the times when you're most out of control, you still have some level of control. You can still find you. You just have to get back to you. That's Absolutely. the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This yeah, thank you. An awesome night. And I hope nothing else strange ever yeah. happens to you. <laughs> yeah, I, me I too. Hope, <laughs> I hope your life is, is free from strangeness, but... If anything else happens, uh, keep us posted. Well, I will keep you updated. Like I said, I think I said in my first email, sometimes when I tell this story, it's like I feel like the eye of Sauron is on me because it just feels like, oh, snap, should I have said that? Well, I, like I'll you keep said, you updated. <laughs> there's there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of people 
believe that a lot of different cultures have that, uh, you know, sort of taboo to talk about because uh, you may bring it on. But I, while the story has a dark turn, I think it has a brightness at the end of it. And, and hopefully yeah. it becomes a good thing and, and not, uh, not a, a shadow that, that's cast. Oh, absolutely. And I just always remind myself, too, that, you know, it's, it was a formative experience. And it's in certain ways, it's been a good thing. It's definitely, even though it was a really rough road, I've come out of it a much stronger person. So there, there definitely is a, a silver lining, even though it was a really dark cloud. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Timothy. I really appreciate it. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you like the kind of dark ambient drone sounds we make for this podcast, you might want to check out the newest release called Wilderness Geist. Wilderness Geist is a long-form dark ambient ritual that was crafted with the intention of summoning cryptid creatures. It uses field recordings taken from haunted places and cryptid investigations including Site 7 and Toad Road, modified and mixed into the music. It's available as a limited edition CD or as a download at stonebreath.bandcamp.com.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.